the meetings for this weekend uh, with Brother Jim Hockaday. Uh, I was we were just talking back in my office a little bit about how I got came to know you. I, I wasn't aware of your ministry, and I had a pastor friend of mine that sent uh, me a note and said, you need to hear this guy. He uh, moves in some boldness on the things of the Lord, and I got those messages, and they changed my life. They changed who I was in Christ. Uh, they changed how I operated. They changed uh, what I actually saw happen when I'd pray, and uh, I just, it changed me all for the good and it produced more fruit for the kingdom of God and one of the things that you're going to be hearing today is this and all of this week everything he does really uh, desires to connect us with God in a very real way and we did a series last year called Reset. Some of you have heard that. But the whole point of that series was in Revelation chapter 2 that said, you can do all these great things, but it pales in comparison to going back to your first love, having fellowship with God. And if you don't have fellowship with God, he goes on to say, if you don't get back to the place where you're connected with God, I will have to remove you out of your place no matter how great of things that you're doing. And so, you, you know, you may be thinking, well, yes, I have a connection with God, but let me, let me just throw this at you. Moses, sitting there having conversation with God, sitting there, you know, glowing from the glory and the presence of God. Enoch, walking and talking with God so that eventually he was not because God took him. Look at Cain, even, who said, Lord, you're going to remove your face from me. He had revelation and understanding about the importance of being connected with God, and he was sad after he had murdered his brother that the Lord was going to remove him from his face. Now, here's the thing. We want to talk that we have connection with God, but the fact of the matter is, all of those guys, none of them had Jesus. You got Jesus, and how many people you see walking around connected to God so much that the glory is filling them up? Connected with God so much that they were not because they walked with God. So the only reason I tell you that is I want you to start thinking, am I as connected as what I thought I was? And prepare your hearts, hey, I got to do something about that. Am I as connected as what the Lord? In other words, here's my idea of connected, but where's God's idea of connected? And so, Brother Jim, as you come on, we are excited to hear about it and, and to grow in this this morning. And I just thank you so much for being here, and Amen. I consider Bless you my you, friend. So thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, good morning to everyone. How's everyone doing? Good. Well, I don't remember names as well, but I certainly do remember quite a few of your faces, and so so thankful to see you again, and it is going to be a wonderful time. We're going to have a good time here the next uh, couple of days, and I would encourage you, um, if you can, uh, try to make the services uh, tonight, uh, Monday and Tuesday. I know that might stretch us a little bit in the day that we're in. Years and years ago, you could go in and actually have a two or three week meeting in a place, and people would show up every night. Uh, nowadays, uh, you know, folks are so, in a sense, connected to other things. Uh, other things have such importance. Uh, even uh, TV shows 
tomorrow uh, is the finale for Dancing with the Stars. I mean, <laughs> there's some here that might, that might actually want to be there to see that live, even if you can DVR it, you know? So my family, the girls watch that. It's a, it's a, that's one of the tough things for me to do. That's called love, the fact that I could even sit there and look at that. So, but I'm doing it with them, so it's one of those deals where at least, at least I'm with the family. So, um, but I just share that to say that there are a lot of things that people put in, in place of something that could actually have a bearing upon our lives and, and the time that we have with God. So, I've enjoyed the service already, just the music. Um, you know, maybe you don't have a music leader up here, but we all can make a wonderful, joyful noise to the Lord with the, with the songs that we have, so... Encourage you just to enter in, praise the Lord to those times, and and uh, I think uh, Pastor Nicole she did a wonderful job, uh, little preacher. Amen. I love that. <laughs> Fill these little suckers up. Amen. I like that. <laughs> she's she's hick, man. That's awesome. That's good. She's definitely from North Carolina, right? So uh, I I think that's great. So I enjoyed her, and uh, we'll just see if we can't add on to to what. Uh, it has already started today. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, in your precious, wonderful name, the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for being with us right now, for literally being upon us and being in our hearts. And We trust you right now to make more real to our lives and to uh, every part of what we do on a regular basis, even the busy schedules that we have. Make more real your presence to us. That, Lord, we would feel as though there's a person walking around with us all day long. And this person, we've grown to enjoy being with us until we'd feel like we were lost if we didn't have you with us. Lord, make it so just naturally wonderful. So it's not spiritual, it's not woo-woo, it's not weird, it's just normal. To hear your voice and to feel like you're talking to us all day long. Not to be so excited that we heard you talk once in our life, but to feel as though without talking to you and without hearing you, something would be wrong. So Father, I just ask you to make these services really special for the people that are here. We do take uh, the place of authority that we have in Christ by saying that every sickness and every disease will just die and wither and disappear in the presence of of sharing things about our communion and our fellowship with you. We thank you, Lord, that that's just a part of it. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and let's go ahead and go over to Matthew chapter 3. Today, we'll go ahead and give you a bunch of scriptures here in the next half hour, uh, 35 minutes or so. And uh, trust we don't go too, mu too much longer, but we'll get a good start uh, this morning. Uh, tonight, I'm trusting, you trust with us, that there'll be a whole bunch of people that'll come that may be at, quote-unquote, their churches that'll come to the services tonight. We can just fill this whole place up and, uh, and have even a more wonderful atmosphere where people are being touched and we'll see some wonderful healings take place. Let's, let's all just believe that together. I, I believe there's something to do with a corporate anointing, all right? We can make too much of that, but there is something that's very special uh, when people gather together for a purpose. We know even with two or three, Jesus said, that are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And so how much more we've gathered today to see God, to hear God, for God to speak to our own hearts. Well, we know his presence is here. This is what we're all about, is learning how to 
allow the realm of the spirit, that sounds spooky, but just spiritual things to become as real and then possibly even more real than physical things. Is it possible? Well, of course it's possible. Think about what's going to happen when you put your body off. To be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. Very good. For us, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 8. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Then why can't we be absent-minded from the body and be more present-minded with God? Yeah. It's always going to be a teeter-totter. This is a very... It's not harsh because I'm not making it harsh, but it is, you could say, somewhat harsh because it's so absolute. You know, I had someone uh, write into uh, my website, and they, with, with, with great passion, they shared how much they want God, that they're fasting so much, and they're praying so much, and they're doing so much, and I just don't feel like he's even here with me. I don't hear him. I, I don't sense his presence. God's not real. And so I wrote back, and uh, I said to her, well, remember, um, whatever is not real to you is because something else is. Yeah. Whoever's voice you're not hearing is because you're hearing someone else's voice. That's, I mean, it's not said in a mean way, but those, the principle is very harsh. It's very cut and dry. It, it really does make a separation that says if we're not hearing God's voice, it's because we're tuned into another radio station. I mean, it just is what it is. If you're tuned into 101, you're not hearing what's on 103. And if you could hear both of them at the same time, you're not hearing either of them well. So it goes to every other principle. And this is the hard part because it really does come back down to our lives. Now, the cool thing is, in a service where God has put certain graces or certain anointings on ministers, it doesn't make them anything but just servants. Amen? I mean, my mom does a great job with food. and My wife's followed right in her footsteps, does another great job with food. and That wonderful job that she does at 6 o'clock, I come and get the benefit of it. She's just as human as I am, but she's real good in that area. Thank God. Amen. I didn't get married until I was 29, so I had a lot of opportunity to experience my own cooking. I didn't know that there were such things called spices. Amen. You just throw a piece of meat and you just go ahead and bring it out and some potatoes and that's it. And you just kind of lived off of that. And uh, every once in a while I put a little honey on chicken. I thought I'd really hung the moon. What are you having today? Well, honey, honey basted chicken. Wow, that sounded good, but it was just squirting some honey on it. And all of a sudden your wife cooks for you and there's all kinds of spices. And she'd say things like, hey, do you mind going to the store for me? I'd be raising my hand. I'll go. I'll go. I don't have any problem at all because you cook that good. I'll go. What do you want me to do? Well, it's the same thing. Those ministry gifts are just endowed with something to pass on. And what I meant by all that was to say, 
in a service. Let's just put all our faith here together to an expectancy for God to do some things because in a service, the touch of God can come to somebody and someone recognize that God's really real. They feel that presence come on them. In a service like this, it, it just heightens our awareness to hear God's voice. Some things that you might feel a little bit insecure when you're on your own, but why not learn to tap into some of those things while we're in a service, while we come together, while we hear testimony. So there's a lot of purpose for what we're doing here this morning. We just trust it'll carry over in tonight, Tuesday night, and uh, excuse me, Monday night and Tuesday night. Uh, in fact, Monday night after the meeting, I'm going to be doing the radio show that we have for our Tuesday night broadcast for, uh, uh, with BJ and I. We'll, we'll Skype that. And uh, I don't, I'm not even sure. Maybe Pastor Brian will be in on that too. That might be fun. And so we'll, we'll see how that works out. But we're over in Matthew chapter 3. So let me run some scriptures to you here. This to me is a, a beautiful place to see where Jesus, in a sense you could say, where he uh, crossed the line. He drew a line in the sand. And he stepped over it. And from this moment on, everything changed in his life. And this is really where you see it. And it says here, but Jesus replied to him, him being John the Baptist, because Jesus is now there at the, at the Jordan River, <coughs> and he's entreating John to baptize him. Of course, John's making the statement, holy smokes, I'm not even worthy to tie your shoes. You want me to, me to baptize you? And Jesus replies unto him and says, permit it just now to be so. This is the Amplified. For this is the fitting way for both of us to fulfill all righteousness. And that phrase, fulfilling all righteousness, or unto all righteousness, boy, that's a, that's a heavy duty right there. That's big. Why? Because look at what it says next. The Amplified does a real good job. It just makes it real simple. That is, to perform completely whatever is right. Now, you know, that seems like such a simple definition, and it is, but really carry it on over into Jesus' life and think about it. Everywhere Jesus went, whatever was wrong, he did what? He f there, thank you. He fixed it. He made it what? He took what was wrong and made it right. Think about it. There'd be a, a man with a withered hand, and what would Jesus do? He fixed the withered hand. There'd be situations where there was no food. Well, that's not right. That's what? Wrong. And what would he do? He'd pray a little prayer because he's right here in this passage. He's committing his life unto all righteousness. This is the line in the sand. Do we have a line in the sand? Now you may say, well, I know when I got saved. Okay, but if you got saved at most of the places that people go today, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's a line in the sand when you got saved. It just means you maybe, you maybe filled your name out on the register and you feel like you're a part of the group. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and I'm not talking about good intentions. Everybody's got good intentions. I mean, no one's blowing anybody up. You know, we're still just you know, very nice in here. You know? I mean, no one's brought in some grenade or anything. I mean, everybody obviously has some good intentions. We're loving one another. Amen. We're... We're, we're not fighting at one another. We're, we're, we're here to be good folks. If you really think about it, the majority, I mean, the news, all the news does is share stories of people with bad intentions. 
If they'd start sharing stories of people with good intentions, I mean, there, there'd be so much news, we'd have to watch news 24-7 because there's a lot of good people in the world that have great intentions. For every negative situation, there's thousands and thousands of amazing good situations. And that's what our news does. It just blows up the negativity. No, I'm not talking about good intentions. We all have good intentions. But what I'm talking about is how well things are actually working for us. Is there a line in the sand? Well, I wasn't necessarily taught this. I was taught you can't go do this and you can't do that and you can't do this and your hair has to be a certain length and, hair, and this, that. I was taught that. But I wasn't taught that there was a line in the sand and you were this person, but the moment you met Jesus, you became a new creature in Christ. And this is gone. Now, we would preach that, but we wouldn't preach it with a definition. In other words, with a real separation. And what makes Jesus' ministry the ministry that it was, and what will make your life exactly like his, is what you're seeing right here. He said, you need to baptize me because it's unto all righteousness. We need to fulfill all righteousness. And what does that mean? Simply says right here to perform completely what is right. Then, of course, we know what happened. It says, and Jesus was baptized, and he went up at once out of the water, and behold, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I well delight. Well, look at the progression there. When an individual has such definition, when an individual has what? Such clarity. He makes a separation of who he was and who he is now with God. Look at what happens. Two things take place. First thing that happened was heaven opened, and Jesus had what? Had an experience with the Holy Spirit. And the next thing that happens is, God, his Father, speaks to him. Well, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like the two things that everybody really wants more than anything when they, when they have a relationship with God. One, they want to know his voice, hear his voice, and know his presence. Because think about it. Wouldn't, wouldn't all of our problems be solved by hearing God's voice on a regular basis and walking in a very tangibleness of his presence? Huh? I mean, any, any of you understand the, the power that comes in a multitude of counselors. In other words, you may not know exactly what to do, but you know exact. Uh, I know who I'm going to call. I'm going to call, and then you name that individual because you know they have experience in that area, and you make that phone call, and to have their help and assistance on it, and them backing you up with their words of encouragement, you feel like you can do anything. Well, how much more if you felt like you could actually call God up? Amen. And you could talk with him and hear his voice. And you wouldn't have to go through someone else. See, that's one of the problems with what we have is called modern religion. Modern religion attaches you to people instead of attaching you to God. Attaching you to people to get to God is Old Covenant. That's what happened under the Old Covenant. Only certain individuals were graced to stand in a place to help the rest of the people. But the people couldn't experience God lest they do it through the individual. And today we're doing the same thing. Instead of releasing you to find God yourself and putting the responsibility on you and yet 
Understand, like I mentioned before, one of, the pro- one, of the, one of the reasons why a church service, meeting together, carries with it so many potential opportunities that maybe by yourself doesn't, is because if you're struggling on your own, come get ministered to. That's one of the things about laying on a hands. Come get ministered to and begin to sense the presence of God through the ministry time. Then go home and just duplicate that. Foster that. Grow that. Keep yourself in a, in a, a proximity of the anointing. So you're thinking about it. You're working with it. You're talking about it. Is everybody doing okay this morning? You know, even Adam and Eve, fresh out of their, their plight of disobeying God and being kicked out of the garden, even in a sinful state, they still recognized his presence because they were able to hide behind this tree to shield them from God being over there. And they recognized his voice. Where are you? It didn't sound like a grunt. They heard words. Where are you? And responded, I'm over here. Why are you over there? Well, because I was afraid, so I hid. Who told you you were afraid? And they're having a conversation. And they're not even saved. Which says, if it's possible for someone to not be saved and have a conversation with God and recognize His presence, come on, what about His kids? The only difference that you have in that garden versus what we have today is there was only one radio station called God 101 FM. (laughs) So if you were going to tune in, you were only going to get the voice of God. But it didn't take long, did it? For man to develop thousands of stations until he lost all sight of God, couldn't hear God, didn't know where God was, had no idea that there was a God. Right? Three chapters later, that's how fast it went. And we've got God having to find a family uh, with the leader being Noah. And got rid of everybody else and saved them to start all over. Very interesting, isn't it? You see, it's what you're giving yourself to that either causes you to be good at the world or good with God. So, I like this progression right here, and I want to run these routes just a little bit more to look at Jesus, because I believe he becomes to us an encouragement. So, if you don't mind, let's go over to Matthew chapter 20. (coughs) Now, keep this thought in your mind this morning. It was this 100% commitment to God that caused him to feel the presence, uh, see the presence, and hear the voice of God. And I know the wheels to the wagon could have just come off when I say that. In fact, maybe I'm going to lose you if I say uh, 100% commitment uh, 10 more times before we're done. Because that's something today people don't really want to give. See, I've got, I've got 49 years invested in being in church. James and Deborah back there, we were talking about it, kind of almost born in the church, you know? But I'm talking about when I got saved, from the time I got saved. I've been saved for 49 years. And the majority of that time has not had a very real relationship with God. It's been more about religion. So think of what I've got to overcome. Say, well, I wish I was born again. Well, 
Well, I understand that. You wish you were born again earlier, maybe. But if you've just gotten saved, it's very possible you're a whole lot further ahead than I am. Because I'm erasing all kinds of things from my chalkboard, and you don't have hardly anything on yours. You may only have a day or two to erase. I've got 49 years to erase. Try that out. Huh? I mean, you begin to think of it from that particular perspective, and what does it say? There's a lot of unlearning to do before you can learn the right way. Because what in the world does a relationship with God mean if, if God's not, never going to be real? You're never even going to hear him. Hmm? See, do you understand how ridiculous that is? So this is one of the reasons why I find myself, honestly, progressing, and I'm sorry to say, slower than I'd like to. Because I'm finding so many different areas of my life that are not sold out. Areas of connection with the world that mean something to me when they should mean nothing. Hmm? This is something that we've got to take note of. Jesus is our disciple here. He's our master. He's teaching us something. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. It says, that is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served, and then to give away his life in exchange for the many who are held hostage. So notice Jesus came with a purpose. Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to go through some scriptures here. 39 to 46. Going a little ahead, he fell on his face, praying, My father, if, if there is any way to get me out of this, but please, not what I want, what you want. Verse 40. When he came back to his disciples, he found them asleep. He said to Peter, Can't you stick it out with me a one single hour? Stay alert. Be in prayer so you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. There is a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God, but there's another part that is lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. <coughs> I found that to actually, when I read that, I found myself saying, ow. <laughs> in other words, sure, there's parts of us that are eager, ready to go, but then there's other parts of us that have learned through religion to be very docile, very non-productive, very just kind of go along with the flow. Remember Jesus said what? He made a commitment unto all righteousness. Yeah. Everything was on the line. So he committed himself 100%. This is good. Why is this good? Because the issue of the heart is how you connect. It's always the heart. It's not the flesh. So well, I'm trying to get my flesh in, in place. Well, get your heart in place. Yeah. If you get your heart in place, it won't be hard to get your flesh in place. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? If your heart's hungry after God, then your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions are going to be about God. Guess what's going to take second place? Second fiddle. Your flesh. It won't be so important to do what? To glorify the flesh when all you care about is enjoying the presence of God. See, this is the equation we've missed. We've tried so hard in the flesh to perfect the flesh instead of allowing the grace of God to work through us to perfect all of it. Because grace, first and foremost... God's grace upon us is for us to experience Him. Come on, go back. Uh, guys, think about, think about you with some of your friends before you met the girl that you married. Man, once you started meeting her, your friends started giving you all kinds of, all kinds of trouble. They gave you the business. Why? Because you changed. You were different. 
You're going to be there for the bowling league, aren't you? No, I can't make it this Tuesday. Why can't you make it? <laughs> I got another date with, oh, are you kidding me? You're going out with her instead of us? <laughs> Things started changing. The way you talk, your thought process started changing because you're starting to fall in love. In other words, the love of that lady meant more than hanging out with some of the guys. Maybe some of the things that you did started changing without even thinking about it. Now, I'm not going to do that anymore. Why? There's something really important in my life. How about a, a, a married couple? Think about this. When your first child came, <coughs> a lot of times couples, one or the other, will make some changes in their life when their first child comes. Why? Because they realize, I can't do some of those things anymore and bring up a child. I don't want that child growing up like I did. I don't want them strung out on this, this, and this. So I'm going to put this aside, lay this down. I'm done with that now. I'm not going to those certain places that I used to go to anymore because I don't want my kid going to some of those places. See, all of a sudden, things start to change you. What happens if we were starting to really fall in love with God? He became very real to us. What would begin to happen? Your behavior starts to change, but it's not because you're trying. It's because it starts to work out of that relationship. The want to changes. And where is that want to? It's in the heart, isn't it? Amen. <laughs> I don't have to go through the, the rest of this passage right here. Turn to John chapter 4. But while I'm turned there, I'll say, Jesus here, is this, it's while he's in the garden of Gethsemane. And he's crying out, saying, Lord, huh, if, if, if this cup can be passed, let it be passed, but not my will, thy will be done. What does it say? It says Jesus is identifying here that he had a human will. Jesus wasn't a robot as God. You know what I mean? He just breezed through everything and nothing ever affected him. I'm sorry, that's not our Lord. He was affected exactly like we are affected. He just didn't yield to it. Why? He made a commitment unto all righteousness. In other words, how can you commit to so how can you yield to something that you're not? I, you know, illustrations I come up with, they come to your mind. They may be the stupidest things in the world, but you know, they fit for the, for the, for the period of time. It's like, it's like saying, once you come into Christ, you were a cat, now you're a dog. Well, you're not going to meow anymore. Because you're not a cat. You're a dog. And you try to meow, but it comes out as a bark. But how sad would it be if you end up becoming a cat when you were a dog and the cat barks <laughs> instead of meows? Then you'd say, something ain't right here. And you look at the world today, and that's pretty much identifies what's going on in the world today. People don't even know what they are anymore. Yeah. I'm half of this and half of that. Used to be this, now I'm that. I don't mind saying that. We ought to say that kind of stuff in a church. Political correctness is a bunch of garbage. Yep. Right from the pit of hell. Yep. A man ought to know he's a man, walk like a man, smell like a man, talk like a man. A woman ought to know she's a woman, walk like a woman, talk like a woman, and smell like a woman. Amen. And a woman smells better than a man. Amen. <laughs> I mean, people are confused today. Is it not the signs of the time? Huh? And then these movie stars all of a sudden want to become a woman when they're a man. 
We used to have, you know, all kinds of ways of dealing with people like that when I grew up. Take them out in the woods, just beat them until they got their head right back on straight. <laughs> Can't do that today. Anyhow, John chapter 4, verse 34 says, Jesus said, the food that keeps me going is, to, is that I do the will of the one who sent me. Finishing the work he started. Look at where his emphasis is. He's obviously what? Very conscious of what his father wants him to do. John chapter 5 and verse 30. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the father who sent me. Come on, I know these verses are all the same, but I want to give you a couple more. Romans chapter 15, 3 and 4. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached, you fell on me. So Christ, Christ Jesus didn't come to please himself. He didn't come to do his own will. He came to do the will of his Father. Well, how in the world are you going to do the will of your Father if you don't know the will of your Father? So what does it say about Jesus? It says consciously. In other words, what was on his mind both night and day? The will of the Father. I remember playing football when I was young. And uh, in high school and college, and you'd go to uh, camp in August before the season started in September. And we'd have three-a-days. And if you any remember doing any type of camp situations for your athletics, you do three-a-days. You'd go in the morning, you'd go in the afternoon, and by the time you put your equipment on in the night, it's kind of walking by itself. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's, it's full of so much sweat. You know, you take it, take it home and... Uh, and clean those things almost nightly. But well, this is how we would say it. We're eating, drinking, and sleeping football. X's and zeros. Plays. Bruises. It's just in your head. You go to sleep thinking about it. You wake up the no next mor morning thinking about it. And you want a position. So you're thinking on it on purpose. You're trying to do your very best. And you're applying yourself as much. And for those Two weeks of camp, it's just nothing but hardcore football morning, noon, and night. To do what? To condition you. If any of you played, you know the worst thing you can be doing is in the middle of a play thinking about what you're supposed to do. While you're thinking about what you're supposed somebody's already put you on the ground. What's the purpose of conditioning someone like that? So you're no longer thinking about what you're doing, you're responding just moving. You're moving. You're in position. When you hear a play, you don't try to think, where's everybody going? You know exactly where they're going. You just go up, and all you're doing is paying attention to what's going on in the defense, because you already know what you're doing. And everything's just a, oh, it's just a response. And you just start doing what you do, because you've done it so many times that you got it out of the head and into the heart. Well, this is what Jesus is doing. Once he committed himself unto all righteousness, his application of life is all about what's his father think, what's his father saying, what's his father doing. And he's not going to vary, not one little bit, from what his father's doing. Now, here's the interesting thing about it, all right? Let me stop and make this a point. Because right now, you may be thinking to yourself by, by listening to this, because I'm trying to make it as intense as I can make it for you, to see how, 
how absolute it was to take away, well, you know, Jesus, you know, hung out, you know, with the guys and stuff. It doesn't mean he didn't laugh. It doesn't mean, you know, he wasn't, it doesn't mean people couldn't talk to him because he's just fried thinking about God all the time. <laughs> he's enjoying himself. It's just that his enjoyment is wrapped up in the very will of his father and accomplishing that will. And here's the reason why he could have enjoyment. Because his father's not this taskmaster that's just snapping a whip at him. He's a loving, friendly person in whom there's a lot of fun. So the, here's the point. The more we enjoy God, the more we apply ourselves to God, the more the benefits of knowing someone like him cause our hearts to be extremely joyful, peaceful, at rest. We're not worried about anything. We're not upset about anything. Things don't stress us out anymore. We've got confidence we've never had that's not boastful or arrogant. It's just a silent confidence of we know what to do. And because of all that, things actually happen in our lives where things change. And sicknesses disappear. Praise the Lord. Finances are better than they've ever been before. Family's doing great. There's an effect. So when I talk about this commitment unto all righteousness, it means you're putting yourself in a position where God gets to do the kind of things God's always wanted to do for you. This isn't about laboring for someone who's over top of you saying, come on, hurry up, you only got 20 seconds left. Get all those questions right. This isn't that type of relationship. This is a relationship. You start stepping into it, and the more you do, the more you find out the benefit of it is, I don't ever want to go back. Because back there is me, what I can do. Here is what I'm finding out what God can do. This is awesome. He really does care about me. He really wants me to have an amazing life. And see, here's one of the problems that we have. We're not able to judge correctly when we're in the flesh. It's hard to judge about the things that really are important to you until you begin to see God. Because the moment you begin to see God... Maybe the bass boat really isn't that important anymore. Maybe it's only as important as during the season to go once a week and enjoy a bigger harvest or a bigger catch than you if you went six times a week. When you're only in the flesh, the bass boat to you is extremely important. And it would be called, if the Lord really loves me, he wants me to have the desires of my heart. The desires of my heart is this bass boat right here. That's the reason why I go six times a week. Amen. That's the Lord. That's the Lord. That's God, man. I'm enjoying God's blessing on my life. I go six times a week. The more you experience God, the more you look back and say, can't believe I spent all that time doing things just in myself when I could have been spending more time with the family, could have been investing more time with my kids, with my children. Could have been spending more time with my Lord. Could have got prayers answered and said no prayers work, but yet I'm having fun on the bass boat. See, all of a sudden, priorities start to shift and things begin to change. The more you see him. In his light, you see light, the scripture said. Which means in him, you begin to see what really is, and then you begin to see as you look back what's really not. And for anybody, you know, you got this idea that it means God's going to tell you to turn away everything. You can't do anything in life and sit there and just hum like some guru or something like this, you know. <laughs> hum, and that's your life. I'm sorry, that is not going to be your life. 
What I'm trying to help us to do is to understand that when you commit unto righteousness, it causes you to be able to experience this other world easier than straddling a fence where you get a little bit every once in a while and a taste of it, but they go right back to the world. This is what Jesus did so he could go all the way in and experience him. And then once you begin to experience him, it's not like the things that are in this world. You can't have some fun. It's just now the difference is, the difference is, is I'm all by myself going all alone. But now I meet Pastor Brian, and he gets to, we get to enjoy each other's, uh, other's company you know, on, on a week tour you know, of, of Africa. And we're able to look back and say, the things that we experienced were amazing. I can call you up and say, it was incredible, it was awesome. We were with each other all day long. We've got ex exchanges of experiences that were just wonderful. Well, take that on a small scale, magnify that on a big scale, and it means you, God doesn't have a problem with you going in your bass boat, but wouldn't you like to go with God in your bass boat where God's actually in your bass boat with you? Yeah. Do you really think you've got to fish the way that we've always learned how to fish? Peter just said, you know, Jesus just said things like throw the net on the other side. How would you like to take your net instead of even have to cast a reel? Just stick it down there and call the fish in. Almost cheating, isn't it? In other words, I'm helping you to see that there are things that we can experience about life that are beyond anything our mind has yet imagined because we've not experienced as we should Him. When you begin to experience Him, you begin to see that there's ways to do life that you never thought about. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. Give me just a couple more minutes here with some of these thoughts because I want to help you to... Um, oh, I'll tell you what. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 4 because of our time. I want to get a good start here. And the reason why I brought out this word righteousness, here's one of the reasons. Some of you may know this, some of you may not. <clears throat> There's a lot of wonderful sermons from people these days on the grace of God. I love someone like, I don't mind even saying it from the pulpit, even though I know some people from from some of the circles that I, that I got licensed or ordained from that wouldn't even mention this person's name from the pulpit or says don't, don't read any of his books. But someone like Joseph Prince, I think he, he's gifted in a way to help you to see the difference between what's of the law and what's of grace in the Bible. Yeah. He's just really gifted that way. <coughs> he can go through some passages in the scriptures and pull out things like this. Like while the children of Israel, were, before the law came, the children of Israel were murmuring and complaining just as much as they were after the law. But before the law came, God just kept blessing them. As soon as the law came, 3,000 souls instantly died. And then he relates the idea of coming over to the beginning of the church. Where they were 120 were waiting in the upper room. Do you remember what happened? Power of God fell. Peter gets up and preaches his message. 3,000 were added back. 3,000 were taken away in the law. 3,000 were added back under grace. And what's the next thing that happened? 5,000 more came in. See, then it just kept multiplying. Well, I love that type of, of a way to begin to see things. I think it's really cool. You begin to understand some of the different principles of what God's trying to say. He's trying to say this is a new dispensation where there's grace. It has nothing to do with it means go sin all you want to. 
And it means God's grace is there for us to experience him. This is the whole New Testament. is all about now everybody can experience God for themselves personally. That's what grace is all about. Well, so much of what you hear, and even some of my friends, and this is how I know this is true, they'll take the message of grace, and they'll just begin to look at the word righteousness. And I'm going to read you a scripture here. I know you're over in, in Hebrews 4, but just stay there for a second. I'm going to read you a scripture here in Romans chapter 5, 17, and then verse 20 and 21, okay, in the New King James Version. Listen to this. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abound, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So notice what it seems to indicate. It seems to indicate in order to experience the grace of God, you have to understand your righteousness so that you begin to experience eternal life. Well, I like that too. It seems pretty simple, doesn't it? So here's how people have translated that. I just keep on focusing on my righteous. Thank God I'm 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 righteous. That doesn't pretty much do anything. But waste your time saying, thank God I'm righteous. Because what I'm showing here this morning is righteousness is a commitment unto all right. See, God's grace in Christ made us the righteousness of God in Him. That's who we are now. That means we've come out of the world of unrighteousness, and now there's a commitment to do what? 100% to begin to what? Act righteous. Do what is right. What does that get you? Well, that's what causes grace to work. The doing of your righteousness. The choices you make as a righteous person is what causes grace to work. It's not about works, folks. It's not. You're not trying to gain something that you don't have. You're just working something that is real, present tense, and available. It's called God's grace. And God's grace is all about you experiencing Him. So when Jesus committed Himself to righteousness. He was committing himself to do what? To experience grace 100% of the time and thereby experience his dad. Don't want to get lost in terminology. Terminology is a really bad thing. People can walk out and say, man, we learned about righteousness. Well, what is it? Well, I don't know, but man, it sounds good. <laughs> I want you to be what? I want you to understand that there's something for you to begin to to experience. Look at Jesus over in Hebrews chapter 4, and we'll stop with this. It says in verse 12, a familiar scripture, For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of breath and life, soul, the immortal spirit, joints, and marrow, 
of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. Well, why don't you put up the New King James and we'll just look at that, make it simple. Okay, King James is fine. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Jesus portrayed this in his life. That's what unto all righteousness means. It means he was quick, he was powerful, and he was sharper than any two-edged sword. It means that he could separate between his soul and his spirit. It means that he understood the difference between the joint and the marrow. And it means that he was constantly discerning his thoughts and the intent of his heart. That's how he lived. That's the pattern. Do you know what's of the spirit? Do you know what's of the flesh? Do you know when your soul's involved or are you hearing God's voice of your spirit? Are you constantly discerning your thoughts? Are my thoughts and my feelings and our emotions, are they in Christ? Are they spiritual in nature or are they of the world? And are the intents of my heart, are they for God or are they actually for the world? This is righteousness right here. That's what righteousness looks like. It's very precise, very succinct. It's very accurate. The word we use is it's very absolute. Well, let's just take the last two minutes here before we're done to say, how do you apply something like what we're talking about today? Well, the first way to apply it is to begin to ask yourself questions. Am I accurate? Are my words accurate? Are my actions toward Christ? Are my thoughts toward him? What goes on between Sunday to Sunday? From the moment I leave this service to the next time that I come back into a service the following Sunday, what does my life look like? Only you can really ask those questions about yourself. We can even make things look good on the outside, but really what's going on on the inside? Because the purpose of these meetings, the purpose of your pastor being here is to help connect you to God. The purpose of my own life personally is to continue to make a progressive connection with God myself so that the voice of God becomes more real constantly so that my communication with God becomes more alive and more real constantly so that walking and living in God's presence becomes more real constantly. That's my own purpose. I'm going to be a better father when I know God. I'm going to be a better husband when I know God. I'm going to be better at my job. I'm going to be better at everything I do. Does anybody believe that? The more you know him, the more real he is, the better you are. That 12th verse of the 4th chapter of Hebrews, that's the description of what Jesus meant when he said to John the Baptist, unto all righteousness. So ask yourself some questions. These are the hardest questions you'll ask because most likely you'll pinpoint that there are quite a few areas that you could be more absolute, more accurate. 
There might be quite a few areas you find where your affections are greater towards um, the fun that you're going to have on the weekend than, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, I have to go to church too. Right? And how many of us have ever experienced going days upon end and you realize I've not even, even acknowledged God in the last five days. I've been so busy. I've just been caught up in the normal routine of what I do. Lord, I'm so sorry. I haven't even said like hi or good morning. I mean, I, I barely even prayed over my food. I mean, oh my goodness. Where have I been? Have anybody ever had those experiences? I have. I have. And then you look back on yourself and think, what am I doing? And that just is what? Those are the habits and routines of the world that keep us like walls in front of our faces from God being real. Come on, every single one of you, ask yourself the question, if Jesus all of a sudden just whoosh, appeared to us right here, had a beautiful flowing garment on, and you saw the nail prints in his hands, and he just walked up to you like this, do you think there'd be some glory around him, some angels with him? Probably. What do you think we'd all be doing? At least we'd be like hiding behind the chair with big old huge eyes. Right? Yeah. I mean, put yourself in that kind of a scenario for a second. If God could be that real to you, don't you think you'd walk out of here kind of changed, very light-footed? <coughs> you wouldn't walk out of here saying, hey, what's going on with the basketball game? Yeah. Who's winning the golf match? You probably, it probably wouldn't matter to you, at least temporarily, right? Because there would be enough reality of God that blows this earthly world in taking a golf club and hitting a ball or a basketball into a hoop, even if there's finals, this, that, or the other, it takes enough of that and blows it away that momentarily, that's the last thing in the world you're thinking of. Most likely, you don't walk out of here and even the first thing you can't wait to do is get your mouth around some big spare ribs or get your mouth around some you know, big, big steak or something. You're not even thinking of that. You're literally just sidetracked because God was real. Well, folks, there's a day where we're going to meet him. I'd just rather meet him sooner than later, wouldn't you? Amen. Amen. All right, let's just bow in prayer for a second. Father, thank you for these people, for the start that we've had. Lord, my own heart isn't necessarily satisfied, but I ask you to take that what has been said here and cause each person to have some type of meaning out of what's been said where they can leave this room and throughout the course of their day find that there's meaning that's changed something's changed father i ask you to help each one of them do a little bit of homework or they'll do a, an assessment of their own heart where are my thoughts where are my energy where's my focus and if it's on the world how can i get it back on god and what does that mean? So, Father, I ask you to cause these kind of things to bubble up inside of each one that's here, each one that's present. And when we come back tonight, Lord God, I expect to just have some really awesome time of healing, miracles, wonderful time of inspiration as we preach and teach. And we'll expect, Lord God, that you'll do great things before this, these few days are over. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, if um, you can't come back tonight 
and you're expecting to be ministered to if there's something wrong in your physical body, when pastor uh, releases us from the service, uh, I'll be up here in the front. You come on up and see me, and I'll minister to you. And why wouldn't you just be perfectly fine? I know we had a good testimony in the back about not having to wear glasses. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. Um, anybody else have some good testimonies? Weren't you saying, is there somebody else that had that too? And that doesn't mean it's because of, of my time. You've had, all, you've had all kinds of things happen in your own services where God does some wonderful things. So if there's someone in this room, you find yourself saying, I, I can't come back to any of the meetings. This is the only one I could come to. And you realize we're just trying to make a little jump start here. We're trying to get everybody seeing the importance of getting all in, of seeing yourself on a, on a clear, distinct line. I didn't read it to you, but in the Message Bible, it says over in the Heroes of Faith, it talks about, Noah. It said, Noah drew a very sharp line in the sand. And the next thing in the message Bible says, and that's why he had intimacy with God. Yeah. See, that's, that's what we're talking about. It's the line in the sand that you draw and you step across it that produces the intimacy that we all want with God. Which, what does that say if we're not having it? Most, long, most likely, we're good people with great intentions and great hearts, but we're probably straddling. A little bit here and a lot here. If we could just go ahead, pick that leg up, turn it like this, and turn our back on what life means to us so the meaning of life has to do with God. be amazing how quick you could find him, how easy you could hear his voice, and the experiences that you could begin to experience would be the kind of things that you dream of. What would it be like to not have to, to, not have to get healed because you're not sick? What would it be like to have Somehow or another, your job situation that you got for the provision to be more than enough to actually make it, and that just to be the very beginning, where now increase begins to come. And out of the blue, people come to you and say, you know, I, I just uh, I started a new business. I wondered if you'd like to be a part of it. And here you get, you get opportunities that you haven't had before. Yeah. Wouldn't you like God to begin to do those things for you instead of you have to do them? Yeah. What would it be like to have a son or a daughter all of a sudden have a change in their life and they come back home like a prodigal. Next thing you know, they love God with all their heart. You, 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 you're afraid they're on their way to hell. They love God with all their heart. I mean, just so, something's just so simple. I put, I put God's grace on my daughter Allie going to, to Savannah, Georgia. Not, not very far from here. What, four hours or so away? And I said, Lord, I can't, I can't take care of her, but you can now. And you're going to have to for me. Just little things here and there. I mean, stuff that happens. It's amazing. And not every single situation. She's a really good kid. But there's not a lot of Christians down there to date. So there's a, a young lad. He's not, he's not a, a believer, but great kid. Really good kid. In fact, I wish he was a believer because he's a nicer kid than most believers I know. But that one little thing, you know, is... It's kind of a problem. <laughs> and the way that God's working in there without dad having to do it, but God's doing it, it's pretty awesome to watch. Sit back and watch Grace handle this. When I could be all kind of, you know, what's going on? And I'm watching God just get in there and begin to do some things. And I watched him initiate. 
Maybe we ought to just... That's right. You ought to. Separate. You know? I'm watching him initiate things. He's not even the saved one. What would it be like if God just started having freedom because you're, you're having a relationship that's starting to work and it starts affecting your family, your kids? Every area of your life. God wants to be involved in every area of our lives. So if you, uh, if you can't come back, you come on up afterwards and we'll minister to you. It'll be really good. Pastor, if you'd come. Let's just give Brother Jim a hand. And uh, not, just, not just him, but the grace that God's given him to pass on to you through Jesus. And uh, we just honor that and we esteem that. So are we going to esteem it this evening as well and esteem it uh, Monday night and Tuesday night? And are we going to honor what God wants to do through him to you? And so let's just make that a high priority right now. Let's make some of those choices like what he was talking about. Let's not be, you know, one foot here and one foot there, but let's go ahead and let's cross the line and say, all right, Lord, do with me what you want to do over these next couple of days. Because what if just somebody that can help us connect more to the Lord and his grace to do that, what if when you got in that place of connection and continued growing, it started answering all the problems? It started answering all the questions and solving the problems before they ever came up. That's what he's talking about. That's what God wants to do. And so praise God for that. I just, I thank you so much for being here and, and already just blessing me. And uh, let's just, as we finish, Lord, we just thank you so much for your grace. Lord, we thank you so much for your desire to connect with us, your children. Lord, thank you that that's out there. There's so many years and so many people that think that that's not true, but yet the whole time you've been sitting there wanting and longing to connect with us. And Lord, we just turn to you right now. We turn to you and we receive your love in our lives and we just praise you for it. And Lord, with great expectation, we look forward to the rest of today, the rest of this evening, tomorrow evening, and Tuesday night, Lord. And we praise you for it, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day, and we'll see you this evening.